You're listening to Investify, preaching financial independence and assisting investors to achieve a more flexible and free lifestyle through smart financial planning and real estate investing. If leaving the corporate world and jumping into this thriving industry is what you desire, tune in and listen to stories of like-minded individuals who made the leap to financial independence. What's going on, everybody? You are listening to Invest to Friday. This week, you got me, Craig Curlop, aka the Fi Guy, and I'm here to talk to you all about my first deal ever. This is my first Invest to Friday of the year, so I want to show you my first deal ever. It brings me back to the firsts of everything I've ever done. And I'm just going to go through the deal in depth and what has actually transpired over the six and a half years or so that I've owned the property so that you guys can see maybe you're on year one, two, or three on some of the properties that you've invested in. And so you can see what year six might look like for you and the ups and downs and all arounds that I went through. And so I want to paint you a picture. I moved to Denver in April of 2017, knowing that I wanted to house hack. At the time, I thought I had missed the party in Denver. Marijuana was legalized three years earlier. People were already moving in troves and the mountains were calling and it just seemed like Denver was, the prices had already doubled in the last two or three years. And so everyone thought that it was the top. The headlines at the time were, oh, prices are back to where they were in 2008 and now they're not going to go any higher. So they're just going to, they're just going to fall and we're on the brink of a crash. And so everyone had that scary mindset back in 2017. And it was really tough to ignore, especially as a newer investor without as much resources as there's out there today with so much of that noise and so many experts claiming the sky is falling with a recession. I was really scared to make this purchase. And so I learned about house hacking through bigger pockets and it was like, okay, this is an obvious way for me to get started. At the time, there was really only one form of house hacking though. It was buying a duplex, a triplex or a quad, living in one unit and renting the other out using an FHA loan. There was one one tried and true method, there weren't all these variations like rent by room. There wasn't short-term rentals weren't really popping like they are now. And so I was really looking for a duplex in my price range here. And so I finally found a duplex and it was really not what I was thinking my first property would look like. It was a two bed, two bath. So each unit had one bed, one bath units, totally redone. So I didn't have to put any work into it. And it was an up down. I totally thought that I was going to be buying something that was going to be side by side that needed some work and was further from the office. But this property that I bought was just a mile and a half from the office that I worked at, the Bigger Pockets office, which was in a glorious location that is seeing tons of gentrification and continuing to get revamped with cranes galore in that area, buildings going up like crazy. And I thought, okay, like I'm going to buy this for a little bit because of lifestyle. But also, I've got a way to make this thing cash flow. So I bought this duplex for $385,000 up down. And my mentor, you guys may know of him uh, at the time, Scott Trench, he had bought a house literally two blocks away, duplex side by side, each unit were two bed, one baths for 240000 just two years prior. So I was like, oh my gosh, I am paying almost double what he paid. At least it felt like almost double, but well over hundred grand more at least. And it's not as good of a place, right? It's not as big. It's up, down, not side by side. And so I thought I was getting a horrible deal. But either way, I was like, I can't look back at 2014 and think I, I want to get a deal, a 2014 deal here when I'm sitting in 2017. 
just like you can't buy a 2020 deal here in 2023 or 2024 now. I went ahead with the purchase either way. So I bought it for $385,000. I used the FHA loan, put 3.5% down for a total of about $17,000 after closing costs and all that stuff. And so this thing was a one bed, one bath, and my mortgage payment was uh, it was like $2,200 a month at the time. And so $2,200 a month was my monthly obligation. That includes principal, interest, tax, insurance, and PMI. And I was able to rent the top unit out for $1,750. Again, it was brand new, wood floors, beautiful. It was a one bed, one bath, great location. So for $1,750, I was able to get that out. But my, again, my mortgage payment was $2,200. And I was pretty serious about living for free. And so I thought back to my time living in San Francisco. And when I was living in San Francisco, a single mom of two lived in my unit and she lived in the living room behind the curtain. And so I took a page out of her book. This was not my original idea. And I put up a curtain in a room divider in my living room and rented my bedroom out on Airbnb. Now that bedroom made me $1,100 per month. The upstairs was making me $1,750. So I was making a total of $2,850 per month while my mortgage payment was just $2,200. So I was basically living for free and making about $650 a month, maybe a little less than that after setting aside for reserves and stuff like that. But nonetheless, I was certainly living for less than free and building wealth all the while. And so as I continued to, to rent this out, the people upstairs were crazy. They were pretty tough. They passed the background checks and all that. They were both bartenders, but they fought a lot. The, I think the husband had anger issues and the walls were paper thin. And man, I heard so many fights, so much swearing. So it was pretty tough. And I could hear everything going on upstairs. Nonetheless, as well as they had a dog. And anytime they weren't home, the dog would just bark, bark, bark. And so it would be 2.30 a.m. before they get home. And the dog is barking and really excited when they do come home. And so there's just no way to actually get a full night's worth of sleep. So eventually they moved out. And I was getting a premium for that place. It was probably, I could probably get it at 1500 at that time, but I got it for 1750 And so they moved out probably towards the end of 2017, early 2018. And all the while, I am still having an Airbnb in my bedroom. And that was actually pretty easy. Revolving door, most guests were really good. However, in the winter of 2018, or like 2017 going into 2018, I decided I was nervous about the short-term rental prospects being in Denver where, you know, the mountains are great for the winter, but in Denver, not so much. So I got a like a medium-term rental before it was even a thing at the time. Uh, I was just this college kid that was, I had an internship for, for three months. And so I let him in. And that was a horrible idea. This college kid, he was okay the first few weeks. And then he started to get too comfortable. He also had a dog and the dog would just like pee and poop everywhere. He constantly brought friends and women home and would constantly stay up late and I just was not able to get any sleep whatsoever. It's funny enough, like I actually ended up escaping, say escaping and I didn't, he didn't hold me hostage, but I just, I ended up going to Guatemala for three weeks at the end of my term at this house because I just could not stand living in this situation anymore. But I made it almost a year and, and eventually that kid moved out. We turned it back to an Airbnb and then those upstairs tenants also moved out, the ones that fought a lot. And I actually turned that into Air an Airbnb. Over the course of 2018, I was having both properties rented out on, out on Airbnb, no problem at all. But then the winter was tough, 2018 into 2019. And that's right in March of 2019 is when I actually got caught because it was against the rules in Denver to have two Airbnb residences on the same property. And if you did have an Airbnb, it had to be your primary residence. So I got caught. And so I don't recommend doing what I'm about to say next, but this is what I did. I'm just telling you the facts of what happened. I'm not recommending this. 
And so getting caught in March is like the worst. I just made it through the winter and now I need to, I want to capitalize on this, on the summer that's about to come up, but I, I just lost it. And so I, I put my listing on a thing that was called Smart BNB. I don't know if it's still around or not, but it was at the time. And what Smart BNB is basically it delisted my property between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So basically, it would only be available when government workers were off the clock and government workers aren't going to be like searching for Airbnbs in Denver when they're not on the clock. That actually worked. That worked from March 2019 through October 2019. I kept my two Airbnbs despite having gotten flagged and asked to take it down or to suffer serious consequences. Again, I would not recommend that. And in October, I could have kept, probably could have kept it going, but then you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them kind of thing where I was up. I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to go to jail or anything like that. So I walked away and I, I took it off of Airbnb in October of 2019 to where I transitioned both units to long-term units. During that time as well, I did a pretty big project where I took down the ceiling of the bottom mm -hmm. unit and I put in a bunch of sound insulation and, and noise barrier stuff to basically to prevent the upstairs from downstairs people from hearing each other. And I knew that I wouldn't be 100% prevented, but it could at least be dampered a little bit. And so I ended up spending like $8,000 for 650 square feet of taking down the ceiling, putting in new insulation, putting in sound channels, and putting up three, I think I did three quarters inch drywall instead of five eighths or I can't remember the exact size, but it was like a thicker piece of drywall that was movie theater quality so that it would uh, prevent the noise from upstairs to downstairs. And you could still hear it, but it wasn't at nearly as bad. And so after that was all said and done, I got the upstairs rented out for about 1600 and the downstairs rented out for 1300 So this was in October, 2020. And so I was renting it out at 2900 was my total rent. And I was basically barely breaking even after you set some aside for vacancies and CapEx and all that. And it's $2,900 on a $2,200 mortgage. Yeah, I'm $700 over the mortgage, but I'm really not making too much cash flow at that time. And so then June of 2020 comes around. So from October 2019 to June of 2020, I was, again, I was cash flowing a little bit, but not crazy. And then y'all know what happened in 2020, right? COVID happened, rates plummeted. And I think the average rate for a homeowner was like two and a half or 2.75%. For an investor, it was three and a half percent. So I refinanced out of this property, my home, my owner occupied property, and I made it like a, just a traditional long-term 20% down kind of thing with a three and a half percent interest rate. And I was able to pretty much not bring any more cash to the table. I had 20% equity in the property just after two and a half years. And so my new payment on the property, because I was able to take off PMI and be at a lower rate, my new payment was 1850. And then I was also able to increase rents from total of 2,900 to a total of 3,100. So now after reserves and all that, my, my mortgage payment was 1,850. My rents I was receiving was 3,100. I'm making, what is that, like 1,300 over the mortgage, 1,250, or maybe 1,350, whatever. 1,300 or so over the mortgage, right? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And I'm not paying utilities at this time either. And now I'm legitimately cash flowing about $1,000 per month after reserves, after all that stuff. And now the property, I would say, is pretty settled at that. Not much has changed since June of 2020, where I transitioned from Airbnb to long-term and then also refinanced at a lower rate to burn off the PMI. And so I think that's like the life cycle of a property that I think is like a house hack in terms of activity-wise, right? You jump in, you start to get creative so you can cash flow. 
you cash flow for a few years, you change some things up to adjust. And then eventually when your property works, it's just a long-term buy and hold. That's it, right? That, that makes it easy. Now you don't have to worry about it. Put it under traditional property management. It still cash flows. Like this property will now be very little pain for you. Uh, and that's where I hit that in June of 2020. So it took me three years to get there. Now, since then, my, my cash flow, it's, again, it's still right around a thousand bucks a month. The appreciation has been insane. I'm gonna get to that in a second. And of course, I'm paying down the loan all at the same time. And so in the six years of me owning this property, right? In year one, I had $7,200 of cash flow. Year two, which was Airbnb, I had $20,000 of cash flow. Year three, which was essentially my worst year, I had $6,000 of cash flow. Again, because of I had the higher loan and I had the lower rents. And then every year since then, I've been pretty consistent at generating about $12,000 of cash flow per year for the last three years for $36,000 total. And so total all in cash flow from this property over the course of the last six years was about $70,000 of cash flow. The appreciation, right? I mentioned in the beginning that I purchased this thing at $385,000. I got this appraised in 2022. So when prices started to come down a bit at 800,000. So this property literally doubled for me in five years and I haven't gotten to appraise since. So the appraisal is about a year and a half out of date. Prices have been wonky up, down, all around. I'd say it's anywhere between 750 and 850 right now. That's the beauty and the magic of just hanging on to real estate and making it work and why it's so important to buy now because time is your most valuable asset. Time is on your side. And not to mention, I got the loan pay down of $20,000 plus some tax savings as well. And so if you add all that up, I have this one property that I invested $17,000 in plus another 8,000 along the way for that rehab I mentioned. And then maybe there were some other repairs. So let's just say a total of $30,000 that I actually put into this property, it then spit out $500,000 of wealth, right? I can't say that every property is going to be this way because it's not. I've invested in others and they're not as good on the appreciation, but they might be a little bit better on the cash flow. The point is though, is that there's a journey into this house hacking process and your numbers now are going to be the worst they'll ever be. It's important to have plan A, plan B, plan C, because as you saw, my plan A worked out for a little while, but then I hated it, transitioned it to a plan B with the Airbnb didn't work out. So then I went to plan C. That was my worst cash flow for about six months. And then I was able to refinance out, raise the rent. And now I've got pretty, I'm pretty happy with my cash flow pretty happy with the appreciation. And now I'm just sitting on that property for as long as I, honestly, forever, as far as I can see it. So that's that's basically the deep dive into my first real estate property. Again, guys, don't compare your chapter one to my chapter 20. If you're just still looking for your first deal or you're looking for your second deal, know that in four or five years when you're standing in my shoes, you'll probably remember listening to this podcast being like, oh gosh, like he was right. And I'm so glad I bought, even if it was at the top of the market, at the time, even if it was when interest rates are high at the time, because if you can make a property work right now, when the interest rates are a bit higher, then you are going to be like crushing it when you can refinance in a couple of years when interest rates come back down, maybe that three, four, 5%. That's it, guys. That's it for this week's episode of Invest to Friday. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a pretty good feel for what my first deal was like and what's been happening. Again, at this point, it's pretty status quo. Last few years, it's been a pretty boring property, which is great news. And I'm going to hope that it stays boring and just keeps building wealth one year at a time. So if you all like this episode, guys, please leave us a rating and review. We look at every single one of those reviews. It means the world to us. And let us know how you're liking these Investor Friday episodes. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm the Fi guy on Instagram. 
And so by all means, reach out. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys all very soon and on the next one. We'll talk to y'all later. That's it for this episode of Investify. We hope that these nuggets of real estate wisdom lead to more savvy financial planning and a clearer path towards financial freedom. For more content like this, subscribe to the show at investify.com. Don't forget to leave a rating and share it with your friends. Together, we can transform more real estate newbies into successful and clever investors. Thank you so much for listening. See you on the next one.